You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Good morning. Today we're talking about Mark chapter 13, one of the most controversial passages in the Bible, a passage that's been greatly debated for many, many years. You will see the title of this message, uh, Signs of the Second Coming, question mark, uh, because uh, there's a lot of different interpretations for this passage. Some will say that it is the it is signs for the second coming. Others will say it's signs of the destruction of the temple. Some will say it's a combination of both. And even when you look in various translations, you'll see different titles or subheadings uh, for this passage. I think it's important when we study scripture, first of all, to realize that we don't have to agree on the, in, on the interpretation. Yeah, you don't have to agree with me today, but we can still be friends. And we can still discuss uh, difficult passages with love and compassion. And so I just want you to know, if you don't agree with the interpretation I have today, it's okay. I still love you, and I hope that you'll still love me, and, and who knows, maybe I'll change my mind with time. Well, when we study these passages, it's important for us to look at the context. Uh, we believe that context is king, so we want to study before and after and try to figure out what's going on historically. If we look at Mark 11 and chapter and 12, we see that Jesus has been teaching at the temple. He's visited there. He's cleared out the temple. He's basically shut it down, and he's had some confrontation with the religious leaders there. And so that's kind of what's going on beforehand. But today, let's go ahead and dig right into our passage. It's a long passage. Verse 1 says, as Jesus was leaving the temple that day, one of, the, one of his disciples said, Teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. Look at the impressive stones in the walls. Jesus replied, yes, look at the great buildings, but they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left upon or left on top of another. Later, and Jesus uh, sat on the Mount of Olives across the valley from the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, tell us when this will happen. What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? According to historians and, and, and archaeologists, the, the temple was just amazing. It was big, it was beautiful, it was very impressive. The temple complex covered about 35 acres. And it was the pride of the Jewish people. And it had gold on its walls that glistened. And we, uh, it was built about, or it was built shortly after the Jews came back from Babylon exile, and Herod had been doing a lot of renovations there, expanding it. And the the uh, stones there uh, weighed uh, in the tons, and they were large. The Jewish historian uh, Josephus tells us that uh, some of the stones were 67 feet long, uh, just massive, massive stones. It had 162 pillars. Uh, holding up the exterior roof from the outer court. Uh, the temple itself rose about 150 feet uh, higher than the rest of the city, making it almost like a mountain in the middle of Jerusalem. Uh, some of the blocks of the temple were, 
were white marble. And as from a distance, if it was a, a cloudy day or overcast day, uh, that, and you didn't get blinded from the reflection uh, from the goad, that sometimes the temple looked like it was snow-covered uh, because it was so white. The walls of the temple were immense. The southern wall by itself ascended from the Kindred Valley was uh, 210 feet high, about 15 story, about the size of a 15-story building. And so the temple was something that, that Jews were proud of. I mean, it was an impressive building. But Jesus said it was going to be destroyed, that, that every stone was to be thrown down. And, and here's the question. Uh, the question the disciples had, hey, when's this going to happen? And what sign uh, should we be looking for? Well, if we keep on reading, it says, uh, Jesus said, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and, and uh, will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines and, and and these are the beginning of the birth pains you must be on your guard you must be handed over to local councils and flogged by the synagogues on account of me you will stand before governors and kings as the witness to them if you keep on reading you'll see that they're going to face betrayal from family and friends and it's just going to be a very very difficult time and so Jesus is so is Jesus talking about the end of the world? Is he talking about the destruction of the temple? Well, when we put our fingers in the history books, we see that there was an abundance of false teachers, especially between A.D. 30 and 70 A.D. Acts 5.36 tells us about a guy named Thaddeus that uh, he claimed to be a prophet of God and had miraculous powers that he could part the Jordan River at his command. Eventually the Romans came along and assassinated him and took him out and, and we found out that he was a false messiah. If you look in Acts chapter 21, it tells of an Egyptian who claimed to be a prophet and he had about 4,000 uh, followers, a group of about 4,000 out in the wilderness and he claimed to have miraculous powers and uh, he could command the walls of Jerusalem to fall, and he was also attacked by the Romans. Uh, his followers scattered, and eventually uh, he escaped, but he was never heard of again. And so there was a lot of different false messiahs, false teachers back then. And there was also earthquakes uh, before 70 AD. One destroyed Laodicea, uh, Philippi, Corinth, uh, Cyprus. There was also volcano eruptions. The book of Acts tells us that there were various apostles uh, such as Paul and other Christians that were beaten, persecuted, uh, arrested, uh, dragged before governors and kings and gave their testimony before them. And so Jesus up to this point in time uh, has been describing birth pains. But then we come to verse 14 and it's one of the most puzzling verses uh, here in this passage. It says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where, where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. When we see the abomination of desolation, uh, this is, and, and then the people are to, to flee to the hills. They're to flee to the mountains. 
Now, I want us to think for a minute, if this is the end of the world or the second coming, what good would it do to run to the hills or run to the mountains? Why would only people in Judea need to run to the mountains if this was the, the time of the second coming? So I believe this passage, at least up to this point in time, is pointing to the temple's destruction. We see that people need to evacuate quickly when they see this taking place. Now, what is this abomination of desolation? It's a term used in the book of Daniel in some of his prophecies, Daniel 9, 27, 11, which speak of an enemy or a power attacking. And basically what we're going to see is a Gentile or a power where it should not be. Some have suggested that it's a reference to some zealots, a guy named John and another man named Eliezer, who came into the temple and basically around 67 to 68 AD, and they roamed the temple, including the Holy of Holies. They even murdered in the temple, and there was a guy named Fanny that was appointed high priest and basically making a mockery of the temple. Others would say that it was the Romans when they invaded the temple. and It was a time to flee. It was not an easy time uh, for the people there. If you're pregnant, it was not going to be easy. If it was in a time of winter, it was going to be difficult. It was just going to be a, a, an extremely difficult time. If you keep on reading at verse 24, it says, But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the winds of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, this must be talking about the end of the world, the second coming, right? And, and many scholars would say yes. Up to this point in time, Jesus had been talking about the destruction of the temple, but now he switches course and, and is talking about his second coming. And, and I think there's some context that could back this up. If you look at, at two parables following this passage, you'll see that one that seems to be pointing to the destruction of the temple, but the second one could be talking about a disciple's behavior uh, before the Son of Man arrives. And so it's definitely possible that this is talking uh, about the second coming or Jesus coming, coming back. Or another alternative view would be that this language also is used to describe the fall of a nation. If you turn in the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 13, it says, For see, the day of the Lord is coming, the terrible day of his fury and fierce anger. The land will be made desolate, and all the sinners destroyed with it. The heavens will be, will be black above them, and the stars will give no light, and the sun will be dark when it arises, and the moon will provide no light. Verse 11 of Isaiah chapter 13, I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their sin. I will crush their arrogance of the proud and humble the pride of the mighty. I will make people scarcer than gold and more rare than the fine gold of Ophir. For, for all, for I will shake the heavens and the earth will move from its place when the Lord of heaven's armies displays his wrath in the day of his fierce anger. And we look at a passage like this and we say, well, surely that has to, has to do with the second coming 
uh, of the Lord. But if you look in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 13, it's actually a prophecy against Babylon. And so we see this, this graphic language used when judgment is coming, especially of the end of a nation. And so it's possible that Jesus could be using the same imagery, talking about, hey, Jerusalem, the temple is going to come to an end. This Jewish age, as we know it, God's bringing judgment upon it. So what about the passage that Mark, the, the part that Mark talks about the Son of Man would be coming in clouds? I mean, surely that's the second coming, right? Well, if we had time, I'd go in a little bit more detail. But when we see Jesus coming in clouds, it's a picture of judgment. Look at Revelation 1-7. But the easiest place to look at this is Matthew chapter 26, verse 64. Jesus tells Caiaphas, the high priest, that he would see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven. And how could Caiaphas see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven? How is that possible? Well, if that is the reference to the end of the world, I mean, I mean, how, how is that possible? Well, we need to understand that most likely that Jesus is talking about judgment. Hey, Caiaphas, you're going to be judged. And, and, and here, guess what? God's people are going to be judged, and all the corruption that has taken place in the temple is going to be judged. And so I don't believe this is referring to... Uh, my personal belief is I don't believe that this is referring to the second coming. I believe this is talking about the temple or destruction of the temple. So if this isn't referring to the end of the world and the second coming, how does this passage make a difference in my life? I mean, this is great information, but how does it make a difference in my life? Well, first of all, I just want to make sure that you know in 70 AD, the Romans did uh, conquer the temple, conquered Jerusalem, and, and there was no stone unturned. And so it was, uh, they, they basically destroyed everything. But I think Jesus here is not just announcing the destruction of the temple, not only that, but he's saying there's an age that's coming that's going to be filled with tribulation and tough times. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be upheaval. There's going to be unrest. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And there's going to be false teachers. And, and there's going to be difficult times. But if you study the, study the gospel of Mark, he encourages the reader to have discernment, to remain steadfast, to remain faithful. You'll see terms such as watch out, be on your guard for those who would deceive. Be ready. And in this present age of uncertainty and trials and tribulation, what do we normally do? We normally think about ourselves. We think about how we can take care of us. We think about self-protection. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the world's traps of worrying about everything and, and letting our lives be lived with fear. And we can fall into believing conspiracies and all kinds of other things. But I think Mark is encouraging us to, to be on guard, to, to see through some of these things. And instead of worrying about ourselves, what if we focused on caring about others? Well, what if we took care of widows and our elderly? Well, what if we looked out for those kids who are on the streets? Well, what if we did everything that we could not to just take care of ourselves, but what if we loved others? 
When I look at the early church, they were known for loving others. They were the ones who started hospitals. They were the ones who took care of everyone that no one else wanted to pay attention to. They didn't depend on the government. It was the church that was leading the way. And I feel like in times like this, and we've had a lot of uncertainty the last few years, we just don't know what's going to happen, it seems like. There's always something that's in the news that's going on. But we as Christians, we have a great opportunity. We can bring the kingdom of God to this earth. We can have an attitude that we're not going to be fearful. We're going to say, you know what, I've read the end of the book. I know that we win. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have peace and I'm not going to get, get anxious. Uh, I'm going to say, hey, guys, it's okay. And I'm going to love people. I'm not going to be selfish and I'm not going to hoard toilet paper and water and any time that something goes on. No, I want us to be the most generous people on earth. And so this week, I, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. First of all, would you pray for discernment? As we're bombarded with all kinds of information, would you pray for discernment? Secondly, uh, would you discuss Mark chapter 13 with someone? And, and just say, hey, wh what do you think about this passage? And then how does this passage make an impact on your life? 